0: met uh, Christine and Nick Cain uh, in about 2001 as I was in college, and we've watched her ministry, both Eric and I have watched her ministry, their ministry over the past many, many years now since then, uh, up close and from afar. And I have to tell you this, there is not another person that I know up close and from a distance that has more conviction on what it is that Jesus is doing in this generation than her. She's led with character and integrity and confidence through many seasons of life and through uh, many moments, uh, many of which she will probably highlight today. Uh, she's been an advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves as she has put her hand to an area of ministry work in this world, which is rescuing women from trafficking, children from trafficking, and she's done it with resilience. Resolve and grit and confidence. She's going against power, establishments and money and all kinds of other things that wanna keep that thing and she's decided that in the name of Jesus, she would put her hand to this. She's an advocate for the local church. She's a local church person. She loves what is happening right here and in many churches all across the world and she's here to build you and I up today. So would you do me a massive favor? Would you stand to your feet right now? Would you give a big, massive welcome to the A21 founder, Christine Kenny?
1: Good morning, guys. Y'all can be seated. You, can we thank God for this incredible worship team right here? I mean, y'all are awesome. Who knew in Salt Lake City You're like America's best-kept secret right here. That's what I'm thinking. I love that. It is my honor to be with you all. The first service, I was a guest, so now I'm just part of the family in the second service. So, you know, everybody needs a cray-cray Aussie aunt. As opposed to an aunt. I have, um, my friend Danny is in the front row and he corrects my English, even though this is how the queen wishes she spoke English. Or you americans like you threw the tea out in boston and now you think you know how to speak the language and so us colonies this is actually how we do it so we we speak the queen's english we say awesome so everyone say awesome, awesome. you sound very dignified here in utah <laughs> say it again awesome. awesome okay now say it like an american awesome. <laughs> sailor okay <laughs> i love it i, I truly do uh, love what the Lord is doing here it just it actually makes me so excited um, to see God is moving so massively. Nick and I live um, in california there's about three of us left because the rest are in Utah <laughs> obviously is what is happening. I wondered where they all went and um it's like they came here but but I love this place I love the mountains we're staying with Danny and his family at um, in Park City and it is just You like live in paradise, I don't know. Everyone should be a Christian here because it's like uh, there is God. I mean, I don't know how you think that this happened. Like God burped one day, earth, oops, look what I did. And so a lot of that beauty came right here in Utah. So it is awesome and it's our privilege to be here. I'm just gonna give you a quick photo of my family. Um, This is the most ravishing piece of masculine flesh on earth. and he's on the front row. And then I have two daughters. we have two daughters, uh, Catherine Bobby, who is 20, and she is at Pepperdine um, University and suffering for Jesus in Malibu, in case anyone was wondering where that might be. And so, and this is my 16 uh, year old, Sophie Joyce, and she's um, with me here because she heard that there's really good thrifting in Utah. She goes, is that true? I I mean you know I guess all 16 year old kids I'm like honey I'll buy you clothes but anyway (laughs) she's like mom Utah's really awesome for thrifting and so some of you chicks you you, they need to tell you you probably know where it is okay so you need to tell me where all the great uh, you know thrifting stores are that it just freaks me out that that's what you would be known for but anyway um, If this was a women's conference, we'd go to town on that. Men, don't worry. I've got five points, right half of your brain, and they'll all make sense. There is sequential order. I won't take any rabbit trails, and it'll be great. But, okay, so the thrifting thing is a thing. Girls, you have to help a sister out here. We're going to turn to the book of Luke this morning. I love the Word of God. And... Luke acts my favorite you know whatever I'm reading at the time that's my favorite part the whole Bible's good you can read whatever you want but I'm gonna go to Luke you can go where you want it'll be great wherever you go but if you're following me we're gonna go and and this is how old I am that literally what was about to come out of my mouth now was um, you need to get the tape of the first service Uh, but evidently that indicates my age because you all don't do tapes uh, anymore so whatever it is that you do do that for the first service <laughs> and whatever it is that you do do that for the service after this because i'm doing three different services which are like i've just turned sunday morning into a church conference this morning so we have got three messages and um i believe each of them is going to really speak to you in different seasons in very specific ways so um, since you can't get the tape anymore please get tape. anyone know what a tape is yeah. okay. Anyone ever work a tape table in your life back in the t- church days? Yes, yes. You've got a few fossils in the room. That's it. A few of us actually know what that is. Do you remember, do you know what a tape is? Brother, Daddy. Daddy's like, yes. That's awesome. We're going we're to go to Luke chapter 7. All right. Luke 7. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, Now, a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, I'd say that's pretty sick right there, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, everyone say, say the word. Gosh, that sounds good, say the word. Okay, so we're gonna say the word today. But say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. I love this, today we're going to learn about faith from a Gentile, from a Roman centurion. And we are gonna see that this centurion, a centurion basically was like a captain in the army, in the Roman army. He had about a 100 guys that were under his care. And centurions were placed throughout Israel in villages or in cities for the express purpose of collecting taxes and keeping the peace. So you could imagine, they were not really that loved. I mean, I don't know about you, but some dude from a foreign occupation in your country just to collect taxes and check that you're gonna behave yourself. Obviously it wasn't in Utah, that's more for California, but for the rest of us, um, you know, you would, you, you would not be that happy about that kind of thing. So centurions were not generally loved. So there's something odd about this man. And we notice it straight away, this is really unusual. Jesus had just finished teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Now he's coming back into his ministry headquarters in Capernaum a really strategic city, great place to locate your ministry headquarters. And as he's coming in, three Jewish elders come to him and say, you know, there's there's a centurion and he's got a servant who is sick and he wants him to be healed. Now, that would be odd because that word for servant in the Greek would be more like a slave. Now, Nick and I run A21. We have 19 offices in 16 countries around the world. And in almost every country in the world, slavery in 2022 is essentially, it's illegal. Even though there are more slaves on the earth today than ever before, it is essentially illegal. But in these days, and in this text that I'm reading from, slavery was not illegal. It was so woven into the fabric of the culture. And so normally, if somebody had a servant, a slave, that just was about to die. Really, they would have considered these people to be disposable, no big deal. Let's just replace them with someone else. So we know something's really odd and that this this, uh, centurion is very compassionate because he actually cares for this servant and he wants him to be healed. He's also very generous because the Jewish uh, elders are coming in and saying, this man loves our nation and he built our synagogue. Now, it is not often that you get someone from another religion building a house of worship for your religion. So this Roman Gentile built a synagogue for followers of the Jewish people. Now, here is a a little takeaway for free this morning. Never underestimate how God might get to you what God wants to get to you. God will use whoever He wants to get whatever He wants into your your hands. Some people are like, oh, I'm not taking that because it's coming from someone. And I'm like, y'all, I'll take it. You don't have to, I will. Because God will use whatever He wants to get to you what He wants. And so, He's obviously not just compassionate and not just generous, but He's a very humble man because when Jesus is coming to His house, He says, hey, you don't need to come. You just need to say the word and that my servant will be healed. And the Bible says that Jesus, how Jesus responded to this, it says, and Jesus marveled at him. That word in Greek is thavmazo. Uh, my mum used to say to thavmazo is like astonish, marvels. Now, what is astonishing to me is that Jesus would marvel at anything. You go, know, what do you mean? Well, He's God. He knows everything. Like what on else could cause, I marveled. I'm like, didn't you know? Like He knows everything. He's omniscient, He's omnipotent, He's omnipresent. But apparently according to this text, there's a kind of faith that is available to people that causes the God of the universe to marvel. There's a faith that makes Jesus stop and marvel. And He says, listen, in all of Israel, all the people that should have been believing me, I haven't seen the faith that I've just seen in this person that should have no faith. So that word, Thavmazel, is used 43 times in the Scripture, but it's only used twice when it comes to Jesus. There are only two times that Jesus marveled again. I think it's weird that He ever marveled because He's like God. But both times Jesus marveled in the Gospels, both times. He marveled when it came to faith. So here, it was the faith of a Gentile. I want you to go back to the book of Mark chapter 6, and we're going to see the other time he marveled. Mark chapter 6, everyone say Mark. 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 We're going to Mark. Mark 6. Everyone say Mark. Mark. That's it, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. (laughs) Mark 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, we personally would call that a really good Sunday. If we laid hands this morning on a few sick people and healed them, we'd be thinking that's an awesome Sunday. But according to this text, he could do no mighty works there, except that's an accept work. (laughs) We call it an exceptional work. He calls it an accept work. Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled. There's that word. Why? Because of their unbelief. Two times Jesus Christ marveled in the Gospels. He marveled at the faith of the person that should have had no faith. And he marveled at the unbelief of the people that knew Him the most, that should have believed Him the most. You see, what happens is a familiarity with Jesus often uh, often breeds a laziness in our faith. Often we are so familiar with Him, it's often the people that have the most access to church, the most access to Christian music, the most access to Christian CDs, the most access to Christian podcasts, the most access to every version of the Bible that exists, the most access to every app that exists that believe God the least. And I wonder if what we're seeing on the earth today is a familiarity with Jesus in much of Western Christianity that is causing us to be lazy when it comes to our faith. And then you see in places all around the world where they don't have the familiarity with Jesus that we do, their desperation for Jesus causes them to believe Him. I know when we just evacuated, we have an A21 office in the Ukraine, and as we had to evacuate our staff, and we were working on it from last December, knowing what was going to happen, and moving them from safe house to safe house. And then our female staff having to say goodbye to their husbands and the children saying goodbye to their fathers at the border because the men couldn't go through and only the women could go through. And then listening to my team in our Zoom meetings pray and listening to our Ukrainian directors that are now in Warsaw, Poland, thanking God for the privilege that He would choose them in this hour to be salt and light in the midst of darkness. I mean, I'm just weeping thinking, am I even saved? There's a desperation that causes a faith to believe God. And then those of us that pass 25 churches on the way to church and have 16 Christian radio stations and have no conflict are going, oh, gee, it's hard being a Christian in America. Oh, it's just so hard. There is a familiarity that breeds a laziness. I I remember when I was um, speaking, I was invited, there was a, a meeting of 500, it was a hundred, I have to do my math now. It was 150 liters, so it was 600 leaders from the four streams of the underground church in China. And it was the first time that those four streams had come together in a particular area of Southeast Asia. Someone had sponsored them to come out of their country and to come into this meeting. And I remember being in that meeting and they had invited me, what had, they had happened was, Obviously, the greatest revival that has happened in the Church of Jesus Christ globally in our lifetime is the revival in the Chinese church. Remember, in the place where Christianity is illegal and in the place where there was not access to the Word or access to resources like we have. And during that meeting, what what had happened was the leaders of that great revival were largely uneducated, agrarian workers, because that's where the revival had spread. they had to know god because they had to hear from the holy spirit in order to know where a meeting was or whether they were going to be shut down it's not that they could just google where is the meeting of the closest house church and i'm going to go there and what happened was with industrialization and with uh just the fact that things had changed globalization around the world the big cities shanghai beijing i mean go through all of china the people from the villages had moved into the cities, access to Western things and access to technology and access to music and all of the things that happen. And the reason that they invited me to this thing was, Christine, can you help us reach the next generation? Because we, we don't know anything, what all the young people, they're kind of, in a sense, my words, but what they were saying are mocking and ridiculing the simplicity of our faith because it's not sophisticated enough and it's not trendy enough and it's not cool enough. And they're just sort of going down the road of you know just technology and just all the stuff that's happening in the modern world and just dismissing the simplicity of our faith. And Christine, we were never taught any leadership. Could you come and teach us some leadership principles on how to reach the next generation? Because we we never had any leadership training. The only training we ever had was how to witness to our prison guard on the way to our execution. I remember, I'm in this meeting, and I, I couldn't believe I asked my translator, could you ask them to repeat that? I thought I must have heard it wrong. And they said it again, no, no, the only training we've ever had, I mean, the most humble people you've ever met, was how to witness to our prison guard on the way to our execution. I just started bawling. And I just got down on my knees and I said, I don't quite know why you think I'm here, but I don't really think I've got anything that I can contribute to you. Whatever it is that you've got, whatever that faith is that would cause you to witness to your prison guard on the way to your execution, could you lay hands on me? And could you impart some of that fire and some of that faith and some of that on me so that I could bring that back to the church in America? It's interesting when you have a familiarity with Jesus, just how lazy we could become in our faith. You know, I wonder if Jesus was on the earth today, would He right now be amazed by our faith? But I, I wonder whether we are so busy trying to impress one another, we are no longer amazing Jesus. Oh, if we could just impress each other, if we could just scroll through each other's life and have the right filter and have the right lighting and just impress you. No power, just impressing. As if somehow a filter on an Instagram post ever saved anyone. But we are so busy curating our public profiles, no one is cultivating private intimacy with Jesus. And power comes from cultivating private intimacy with Jesus. Power comes from the Spirit of God. So I wonder whether our Christianity in our Western world is so powerless. Because we think the technology is gonna do what only the Spirit of God can do in us, working through us. So I wonder, there are almost 400,000 churches in North America, almost 400,000 churches probably meeting in some form today, Sunday morning. Jesus is gonna leave every one of those 400,000 churches, those meetings today, and He's gonna be marvelling. He's going to be amazed. But I wonder whether He's gonna be amazed at our faith or at our unbelief. I wonder if He's saying, I could have done so much more in the well at Utah this morning in Salt Lake City? Gosh, I'm marveling at their unbelief. I'm marveling. Imagine if we all turned up with a sense of expectation and anticipation. Imagine how many more people could get saved. How many more people could get delivered. How many more people could get redeemed. How many more marriages could be restored. How many? Because Jesus will marvel. He will. But He's either going to marvel at our faith or at our unbelief. See, the crisis on the earth today, and we love to blame everything. We're blaming politics, and we're blaming injustice, and we're blaming technology, and we're blaming science, and we're blaming the environment, we're blaming everything, and everything has a part to play. But ultimately, the major crisis on the earth is ultimately none of those things. It's a faith crisis. We have way too many unbelieving believers. We need some believing believers that believe that God is actually who He says He is and that God will actually do what He says He can do. If I am going to amaze Jesus, it's going to be with my faith, not my unbelief. But the kind of faith that I'm talking about is very countercultural in 2022. In our very postmodern, post-Christian. You know, we're so posted. We're all posted into orbit now. We're just post-everything. In our very humanistic, pluralistic, secularized, rational world. The kind of faith I'm talking about is not one that is applauded by people. But I do want to remind you, church, today, we're actually a people of faith, just to remind you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. In Romans 1, 17, the righteous will live by faith faith in galatians 2:20. i've been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me the life i live in the body i live by faith in the son of god when the son of man comes back will he find any faith on the earth and how is it that we disband the works of the enemy on this earth it is even by this by our faith we are a faith people so what do you think is under attack faith The enemy's not after your car, he doesn't drive. He wants your faith. Everyone's like, oh, the enemy's after my car. I'm going, honey, don't give him that much credit. He's in Cuba smoking a cigar. He has not even turned up. It's your stupidity that's led to that. Not the devil. Not the devil. He gets blamed for way too much. But what is at stake here is faith. And because what we want to do is we want to be too cool for school. As if somehow that's how we're going to be accepted. Christine, if we could just fit in more. Now, what is it to be in this world but not of it? What is it? Because we think somehow if we make our faith more palatable to someone else, well then, you know what, if I could just dilute it. Because it's not cool to believe what we believe. No matter what you do. So we keep thinking, if I just keep changing my theology to come into alignment with the culture, people will like Jesus more. And I'm like, hmm, that's never worked. Because it really doesn't matter, like, let's just tone down, don't wanna to talk too much about spiritual gifts because people will think I'm weird. Now the fact is that, you know, you, you, you want to be, uh, you, you want to not be weird. I'm not talking, the is not super fruit loop. Like, you, you know, you could be supernatural But the fact of the matter is that everything is weird about Christianity. So people say, you know, well, Christine, what do you mean, do you really believe in a virgin birth? I'm like, yes. And they're like, that's impossible. I'm like, I know. They're like, did you not go to biology? Yes. I've got two children. It wasn't supernatural. It was. I told my daughter as she went off to college, honey, I believe in a virgin birth, but I believe there was only ever one. Don't even try this and come home christine like do do you believe this this sort of book yes christine isn't it like what about all those really terrible genocidal violent things i know i don't like it either but just because i don't like it doesn't make it not true christine what do you mean you adhere to a christian sexual ethic i mean this is 2022 could you just get with it christine I mean, you hold that ethic? Like that is just so sixteenth century. It's not cool, right. uh, Christine. You, like you believe in a bodily? I mean, next Sunday we're going to be talking about a, a bodily, physical resurrection of some dead Jewish man two thousand years ago. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I know it's impossible. I know it's impossible. But I don't need a God that can do what I can do. I need a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything that I could ever ask hope or think. I don't need a God that can just do that. I don't need a God that is created in my own image. what? I need a God that I can understand. I'm finite. He's infinite. We're trying to create a God in our own image. One that we can stick in a test tube, or one that we can stick in a mathematical formula and go, let's prove Him, right. as if the height of everything is my reasoning. And yet Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's never going to be cool. You're not going to be able to rationalize, man, if I just know enough evidence that demands a verdict. It's good to know all that stuff. I'm an apologetic, I'm into apologetics to my core, but you can never reason your way to faith with someone because faith is predicated on trust, not understanding. And you will not follow or obey someone you don't trust. So what the enemy wants to do is undermine your trust in the goodness of God. And he wants to undermine our trust in the faithfulness of God, because we won't obey a God that we don't think actually is for us. And what we're seeing so many people going prove this and prove that and I'm deconstructing and I'm walking away and I'm not doing this because God doesn't fit into my rational mind and God's asking me to do things that I don't wanna do or stop doing things that I wanna do. And it wouldn't be that hard to stop it or to start it if you trusted the God that asked you to do it. And the main reason is that we don't because people have disappointed us. Systems and institutions have disappointed us. And we've mistaken that for God. And so we won't then trust. And we're at arm's distance. Well, I God, prove yourself before I do it. Yet the centurion said, "You, you just need to say the word. Just say the word. So moving forward in this world, And being salt and light in this world and being a follower of Jesus that walks by faith and not by sight in this world, it's gonna require trust. Some people think, well, Chris, trust is easy for you. You look at your personality type as as if trust is a personality type. Chris, faith is easy for you. You know, you're obviously an eight on the Enneagram. That just confirms it for the five of you that thought that anyway. So, (laughs) you know, you're just an eight. Chris, you know that faith is just, must be easy for you as if faith is a personality type. Faith is not an Enneagram number. Faith is not something on a disc profile. Faith is not a love language. Faith is not a personality type. Faith is a blood type. It's the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that sets people free. It's about Jesus. And faith does not come and trust naturally to someone like me. I'm the kid that was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted when I was born. I don't even know who my biological parents are. I was sexually abused for 12 years at the hands of four different men. No, trust does not come easy to someone like me. It does not come easy. So for me, one of the most profound scriptures when John wrote, God is light and in Him, there is no darkness. I don't know how to explain to you what it meant for me to find out that God has no dark side because almost every man I knew did but God has no dark side, so I can trust Him. But but you've gotta take a risk to trust God. Faith is all about a risk. If you're waiting for all of the things and all the planets to align, you're never gonna take that step of faith. You are never going to trust and put the weight of your life and your future and your eternity on Jesus. And even if you're a religious Christian person, you won't live the life of faith you were called to live because you wanna stay safe. Jesus Christ did not come from heaven to earth and die on a cross and rose again, rise again from the dead to make us safe. I mean, gag me with a spoon to make us nice as faith. just be sweet, what on earth is that? He came to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. He came to give us life of purpose. I, I listen. To everyone freaking out over the last few years. Oh no, we just got to stay safe. What if I die? I'm like, you will, just live long enough. (laughs) I don't know anyone that got out of life alive, ever. I'm like, everyone's like, what if I die? I'm like, you are going to. George Bernard Shaw put it beautifully. Death is the ultimate statistic. One out of one will die. I bet you're glad you came to the world today. (laughs) I'm just letting you know what the last couple of years have shown me is how freaked out people are about the only inevitable thing that's gonna to happen to every single person. The issue is not whether we're gonna die, that's a given. The issue is, are you gonna live the life that Jesus Christ put you on this earth to live? Are you gonna fulfill your God-given destiny? Are you gonna fulfill your God-given purpose? And you will not do that without faith. You might live a boring religious cultural life or your own life, living whatever you want, but you won't live the life of faith that requires risk and it requires trust in the character of God. To fulfill your purpose, that's what it requires. Trust in the character and the nature of God. I mean, I come from a Greek family. Greeks are fatalists, seriously. We, I mean, we, it doesn't matter how bad things are, they can always be worse for a Greece, always. I remember, you know, I told the story in the last service about um, a ski accident. Uh, my husband was here with Danny and had an accident in Park City and broke his shoulder or whatever he did to it, you know. And then I um, had an accident at Bachelor's Gulch after that. And my mum had always said to me, I grew up in Australia, uh, Christina, you cannot go skiing because if you go skiing, you will die. I mean, that was it. There was never the possibility that you could just ski. It was like you were going to die. That's it. So when I had my accident, a fairly serious accident in Colorado, my mother, as i am just come out of surgery at the uh, hospital, my mother calls me. She's like, Christina, I am so glad you had that accident because I told you, if you go skiing, you will die. I'm like, mum. But it's like, that's a Greek all in one nutshell. (laughs) I grew up in a nation, certainly does does not inspire you to take risks. In fact, we have something in Australia called the tall poppy syndrome. If anyone steps out a little bit out of the crowd and does anything, we're gonna pull them down to size, man. They're gonna be, so in Australia, and in my home, we would have sayings like, um, see if you can finish it. Like, you can't have your cake and? What goes up? don't count your chickens you all had a negative greek mother as well obviously That's <laughs> but can you see how woven into the fabric of everything is d- d- stay safe d- don't step out of the boat just keep it minimal keep it little keep it and all the attack and what is happening on the earth is just whoo don- don't raise your expectations don't believe too much about god just keep it all safe don't stick out don't in any way get in it. just stay down, stay small, stay safe, and don't believe God for anything. And your God's looking to and fro going, where am I going to find any faith on the earth? Listen, that means in 2022, we're going to have to look a bit foolish. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't make sense. In our scientific, empirical, rational world, it's not going to make sense. That's the bottom line. But I don't know anyone in history from Genesis to Revelation that ever did anything for God that, that looked awesome. So the degree to which you're willing to look foolish, now remember, not like an idiot, super widow. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about super weird, weird. Okay, so no weird. I'm talking about what will look foolish to the world is the kind of faith that steps out. If you are, not that we're in Nevada playing any sort of poker and I don't really know what I'm talking about right now except that when people say I'm all in it's all in that kind of all-in Christianity well you're gonna to have to look foolish but just imagine can you imagine how foolish did Noah look now he was building an ark in a desert and everyone's like Noah what are you building he's like an ark and they're like what's an ark I don't know and why are you building it because rain's coming so what's rain haven't got a clue. I literally feel that about my whole ministry life. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. Why? I haven't got a clue. Like, seriously. Can you imagine Moses? I mean, he gets to the Red Sea. He's got the Egyptian army behind him. He's got a million Israelites complaining. And there's a Red Sea in front of him. And all the Israelites are like, Moses, what are we gonna do? He's like, I don't know, I've got a stick. Most leaders that really are in faith, if they're honest, it's like, I don't know, I've got a stick. That's what's in my hand right now. It's pretty much how I'm I'm living every day. Can, Can you imagine Sarah? She's at the maternity section at Target. I mean, her eggs have dried up. Viagra hasn't been invented yet. And all her friends are like, Sarah, what are you doing? Like, I'm gonna have a baby. (laughs) Weird, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't know how we're trying to rationalize our faith. We're weird. How how foolish did the Israelites look as they were marching around Jericho? Like, what are you doing? I don't know, got a toga, sandals, thickest, most impenetrable walls in ancient history. Like, anyone got an AK 47, you know, like a whatever? I don't even know my military stuff. I'm from california i need to come to utah a little bit more so (laughs) (laughs) and we're walking and doing laps around and it looks so stupid to everyone so stupid what are you doing i don't know do you know that the world's in a mess yes so what are you doing i'm going to church that's weird what 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 do you mean you i don't see anything changing i'm I'm just going to take another lap what are you doing i don't know i'm praying again i'm tithing again i'm going to small group again i'm going i don't know i know it looks stupid i know i know it looks really ridiculous David certainly looked like an idiot. Right. Foolish, little slingshot. big <laughs> Spig- Goliath. Most of us were always going to look like that. Always. Esther, speaking truth to power when she wasn't even summoned into the court. I mean, she could have been killed for doing that. I mean, they, we could go through that. Caleb? Caleb's like 85 and he says to Joshua, I'm not cashing in my 401k. Knock yourself out. I know we've had a good run, but I've still got Hebron. I I don't know where you find retirement. I've still got something ahead of me. You know, Mary, she looked foolish, went into Joseph and says it was an angel, I promise. (laughs) You know, Nick loved me a lot. I'm sure when we were engaged, if I turned up and went it was an angel, I'm... (laughs) I don't think it would have went that well. Could you imagine the wise men? What are you looking for, a Messiah? I'm following a, a star. How weird must we look to this world as they look at all the natural indicators and Elon's sending things to the moon and beyond and to Mars and, and we're just like, we're, we're looking to the one. We look weird. We look weird. How, how weird did Peter look? Stepping out of a boat. How foolish did the centurion look, just say the word. Imagine what all the other centurions thought. Like he's just saying, just say the word. How foolish did the woman with the issue of blood look as she just grabbed the hem. She's turning up at church. She's in the back row somewhere going, I don't care what this person's talking about. I'm just here to grab the hem of his garment. How foolish, anyone. I mean, I could go right through the entire New Testament. How foolish did Paul and Silas look singing. He won't, whatever, he won't fail yep. while they're in chains. Wow. And they're just singing, he won't fail me now. He won't fail. So How weird must we look right. in a world right now Well, we're singing that song on a Sunday morning and everyone's like, uh, you see seen the state of the world? Right. Do you know what's going on? We, we look weird, that's what I'm saying. We look foolish. So no point trying to make it look cool because there's nothing cool about it. Yeah. We look foolish. How foolish did the little boy look? He's got five loaves and two fish, 20,000 people on the side of a mountain. It's how we feel every time, isn't it? When we go, well, th- this is all I got, God. And He's like, well, that's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking, but we still feel foolish. Even though we know it, we've heard the story a hundred times, we still feel like losers bringing that. And God's like, would you, would you still do that? And of course, I'll tell you who else looked foolish. And of course, we're coming into Holy Week and next week'll we'll fo- Jesus hanging naked on that cross certainly looked foolish to the government and the critics of his day that, that's your king that that guy's your Messiah that's the king of the Jews is it he's, he's going to redeem the world is he oh it's no different in 2022 they're still saying the same thing to us that that's him that exclusive bigot him who does he think he is? the only way to God. You, you would lay it all out for Him? So what am I saying, church? I'm saying if we dare to embrace this kind of faith, this is the faith I'm talking about, this marvellous faith, the faith that causes the God of the universe to marvel, then we're gonna have to will, be willing to be foolish. But can I tell you what, what happened because they were willing to be foolish? And would we be a church, would we be a people that maybe would go down In eternal history is the people that dare to believe God because this is what happens when you do because Noah and his family, they were saved from the flood. Do you remember that? Do you remember that actually Moses did see the Red Sea part and that Sarah did give birth to Isaac and the Israelites did see the walls of Jericho coming down and David did defeat Goliath and Esther did stop a Jewish genocide and Caleb did get Hebron and Mary did give birth to Jesus and the wise men did find the Messiah and the centurion servant was healed and Peter did walk on water and the woman with the issue of blood, she was healed. And Paul and Silas, they got out of that prison cell. And that little boy's lunch, it fed everybody on that mountain. And by the way, Jesus Christ got off that cross and He defeated hell. And He defeated death. And He holds the keys to hell and death. And church, I want you to hear this at the well. My Bible says that the same Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives on the inside of you and lives on the inside of me. Therefore, church, we can in 2022 do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Just while you're standing in this moment, I just wanna ask, friend, if you know this Jesus that I'm talking about this morning, not do you know about Him, but do you know Him? And if you don't right here, right now, I just wanna give you the opportunity online in this room, to address the spiritual condition of your heart, the opportunity to put Jesus Christ first in your life. Friend, you were created by God for a relationship with God. It's Jesus that connects us to God and it's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. I just want every head bowed and every eye closed. And this morning, if you say to me, Chris, I I want what you're talking about. Friend, it takes faith (laughs) to step out and say yes to Jesus. But if you say, Chris, I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ this morning either for the very, very first time, I wanna surrender my life and my heart to Jesus or Chris, I've been away from God cold in my heart, maybe even backslidden. This morning, friend, it's time to stop running from God. It's time to come home to God. It's time to make your peace with God. Just say yes to Jesus. The same Jesus that stepped into the life of this unnamed, unwanted, abused, adopted chick from the back of Sydney, Australia, not only gave me forgiveness for my past but a brand new start and a hope for the future that same Jesus is in this room right here right now and He can do the same for you wherever you've been whatever your story is there is nothing that you've done or thought or said that is too great to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus and I am living proof that in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ, friend, you can start bad and you can finish good because Jesus Christ is alive. If you say to me today Chris, I want what you're talking about today. I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you just a very simple but powerful prayer. And if you say Chris, include me in that prayer this morning. I want to say yes to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand wherever you are so that I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean there are hands. That's it. Keep those hands going up. Beautiful. I'm seeing hands all across the room. Thank you. 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 That's awesome. Keep those hands going up. All across the room. People saying yes to Jesus, this is beautiful. Keep your hand up high. I'm gonna pray a prayer. The whole room is gonna pray this together after me. We're gonna pray together by faith with all of you, with your hands raised as you say yes to Jesus. So church, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I've raised my hand this morning because I recognize my need for You. I'm sorry that I've been living my life my own way and ignoring You. I'm sorry that I've sinned against You. And I ask this morning that You would forgive me for all of my sins, that You would give me a fresh start this morning and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' Name, Amen.